0: It's not too many weeks until we're going to be celebrating the birth of our Lord. And we're going to be singing songs like Silent Night or It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. But will we remember, since we won't pay so much attention to it at that point, that when our Lord came to be born silently, quietly, hiddenly, that it was the true king, slipping behind enemy lines of an occupied world that had been under the heel of the oppressor for so long. And It was the beginning of the turning point in which he would bring this world back to himself. This was not solely something innocent or sweet. As Father Baron, Father Robert Barron has pointed out in his Catholicism video series, that multitude of angels, you can translate that word multitude as army. This newborn king came ready to struggle, to fight, and to set free. And the very first among those who followed him knew this well. The gospel, according to St. Mark, begins the beginning of the gospel of of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Simple, right? Except that that word for gospel was something that was used by emperors. Emperors who were proclaiming the good news of their actions and their victories. And that title, Son of God, was one that was used by the Caesar. St. Mark might have been writing this in Rome itself, where Christians had already been martyred. And right there, right, as it were, under the nose of Caesar, right with Caesar having already acted to take the lives of those who would proclaim otherwise, he was saying, in your face, you say that you're a Caesar, but I proclaim a different Lord, a different kingdom, a different king, Jesus Christ who has a good news that's beyond your good news, who is a son of God like you never will be. And St. Paul, we hear again and again, uses that simple phrase, Jesus Kurios, Jesus is Lord, not Kaiser Kurios, Caesar is Lord. Those first followers knew well what they were saying as they said, We have a different Lord, we have a different King. We know well that Pilate asked Jesus, Are you a King? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, then my followers would be fighting to set me free. Yet Pilate knew that he was a king. We remember that time when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and they thought they had him trapped over the question of taxes. And he said, pay to Caesar what is Caesar and to God what is God's. And thus established that terrible principle from the perspective of any government that some things don't belong to Caesar and never will. Some do, but not everything. No government has ever liked that. Jump forward 19 centuries to 1925. 1925, when the Bolshevik Revolution had occurred in Russia, the communists were on the rise. Mussolini had taken power in Italy. A little man named Hitler was not yet in power in Germany, but he was on his way. And it would not be long before we all knew the names of Stalin. Mao. Wow. 1925, Pope Pius XI wrote his encyclical, Quas Primas, establishing this feast that we celebrate today. A new feast, in a sense, and yet an old one because it simply proclaimed that same proclamation, Jesus Curios, and this time using the title of king, that our Lord Jesus Christ is king. Not the communists, not the fascists, not the Nazis. And that cry would be taken up when right away in Mexico, which was experiencing its own persecution, terribly anti-clerical, constitutions and movements trying to stamp out Catholicism. And martyrs there, including blessed Miguel Pro, whose feast day is tomorrow, and being falsely accused and executed right before he was killed by firing squad, he put out his hand as if in a cross and said, Viva Cristo Rey! Long live Christ the King! Jesus Curias just proclaimed a little differently for the 20th century. And so we come to today. We know that our version of Caesar eh, sometimes is trying again to take back a little more, as Caesars do, than belongs to Caesar. And we know that it becomes a little more difficult to continue to believe and to proclaim this good news of Jesus Christ, and that perhaps increasingly, we will have to make a choice, a choice of who is our king, a choice of whether we are ready to acknowledge and to follow our Lord Jesus Christ, the King. We need to be ready to make that choice, to have that same courage of the Christians of the first century, and the 20th, every century in between, and now again, to recognize the kingship of our Lord. What kind of king is our Lord? He is one who does things differently than that, the occupiers of the world, sin and death and Satan. He is one who gives himself, as the Good Shepherd, as we heard in the prophet Ezekiel, to go out to search for the lost sheep, to bring that sheep back, to heal that sheep, to give us food and rest. We heard in the second reading from St. Paul about how he is the first fruits of the resurrection, how coming into this world so dominated by death, he began a new one, one that is characterized by life, And that when he has brought it to fulfillment, when at last he has subjected every power and authority and domination to himself, then it will be the time when there are no more tears, no more crying, no more weeping, no more mourning, no more death. That that is what our Lord's kingship means. And that is why we have to be ready to say yes to him at every turn. The voice of the enemy could at times come from force, persecution, mockery, legal penalties from the outside. But of course it comes in other ways, too. It comes in sneakier ways. Ways in which you don't think the choice is between Christ and Caesar, but between Christ and myself, my desires, my will. Of course, this is the perfect deception Because in thinking that we're choosing ourselves, we're really choosing to enslave ourselves to deceptions and to different forms of slavery. So it comes, doesn't it? To trick us into thinking that we're choosing greatness or pleasure or something of ourselves as the trap to enslave us again to the enemy under a different guise. Whether it be something external or something day by day, our Lord Jesus Christ shows us his wounds, shows us his love, and beckons us to follow him, to believe him, to trust in him with every area of our lives. It will happen in the, the little, almost inconsequential moments where we have to decide who's going to shape our lives and our decisions. Are we ready to be entirely His? To shape our lives, our choices, according to his direction. And then it may come that there will be bigger, costlier decisions. We may need to make that as well. Pope the 11 wrote that encyclical that we need to bring under his reign our minds to believe what he has taught. We need to bring under his reign our wills so that we choose to obey what he has commanded us. We need to bring under his reign our hearts, so that we love him above all things. We need to bring under his reign every part of our bodies, so that they all work to make us more holy. This is what it means to recognize the kingship of our Lord Jesus Christ. The good shepherd, the good king, the one who came to save us, the one who wants to lead us all the way to heaven. And so we too can cry with St. Paul, Jesus is Lord. And with those martyrs in Mexico, Viva Cristo Rey. Long live Christ the King.